really, as you think about personal brand, for me, it's about building relationships and building trust, right? If a person understands that you're out there to contribute and participate and be involved, I think that the online media world is a terrific place to start that path you. And I think it also has benefits being able to connect with future employers, being able to connect with people that are working at other companies. The workforce landscape is rapidly changing and educators and their institutions need to keep up. Preparing students before they enter the workforce to make our communities and businesses stronger is at the core of getting an education. But we need to understand how to change and adjust so that we can begin to project where things are headed before we even get there. So how do we begin to predict the future? Hi, I'm Salvatrice Kumo, Vice President of Economic and Workforce Development at Pasadena City College and host of this podcast. And I'm Christina Barsi, producer and co-host of this podcast. And we are starting the conversation about the future of work. We'll explore topics like how education can partner with industry, how to be more equitable, and how to attain one of our highest goals, more internships and PCC students in the workforce. We at Pasadena City College want to lead the charge in closing the gap between what our students are learning and what the demands of the workforce will be once they enter. This is a conversation that impacts all of us. You, the employers, the policymakers, the educational institutions, and the community as a whole. We believe change happens when we work together. And it all starts with having a conversation. I'm Christina Barsi. And I'm Salvatrice Kumo. And this is The Future of Work. Hi, this is Christina Barsi, the executive producer of the show. Before we begin today's episode, we want to wish you happy holidays from all of us at The Future of Work podcast. We decided to do something special this season and share with you our most loved episodes of 2022. The topics range from discussions on new media with Rob Greenlee, the vice president of partnerships at Libsyn, to post-secondary career programs with Jennifer Zeisler, the senior program director of career readiness at ECMC Foundation, to tackling workforce inequity with Kome Ajise, the executive director of Southern California Association of Governments, and so much more. We're so grateful for your listenership and are pleased to bring you your favorite topics once again. And if you are new to the show, this mini-series of 2022 favorites is a great place to start. Enjoy. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Future of Work podcast. I am your host, Salvatrice Kumo. Today, we will be talking about the podcast industry and how new media is becoming a prominent tool for all of us and where we see it heading in the future. We will also discuss how this new media and traditional education should overlap. With that being said, we want to welcome none other than Rob Greenlee, Vice President of Partnership at Libsyn, the first podcast hosting platform. Mr. Greenlee has a rich background in new media starting with the early days of the internet and was, of course, one of the ones, the first ones to jump into podcasting space back in 2005. At Libsyn, Rob does everything from developing podcast content, distribution, paid subscriptions, advertising opportunities, and its podcast partners. He has been at his role since 2019, and we are absolutely thrilled to have him with us today. Good morning, Rob. Good morning. It's great to be here, Salvatrice. I appreciate the opportunity to join you. And as I love to do podcasts, this is like right in my wheelhouse. So what I like to do every day. So this is fun Good. for well, me. Well, thank so. you. I'm glad it's going to be fun. It's fun for me too. So yeah. I'll tell you what, why don't we just jump right in 
if you don't mind. I've got a list of questions sure. for you, and I think that this is going to be super exciting to, to better understand, again, new media and the braiding of education and the future of work. So with that said, Rob, if you could share with me what led you really to this path in this work and why it's something that really kind of continues to be of interest to you and drives you in the space. Yeah, I think from the highest level, it's really, for me, I'm a marketing guy. I got a marketing degree in college and I spent years working in the grocery industry of all things pre-internet. And so got kind of basically attracted to the internet as a marketing vehicle and as a marketing tool to create deeper connections with customers and then utilizing content to help reach customers in a different way and to build trust relationships and to build direct relationships. I had a really strong background in advertising, promotion, PR, and all that kind of stuff. So you can kind of see how that was like, well, this is a way that I can reach a global market with what I'm doing. And I actually started to do that. It basically turned into a career. I walked into a radio station, created a radio show back in 1999, and then started to use that content online and build an audience and build distribution and all that kind of stuff. And it really took me down a path of being a content creator online. I had never been really a content creator prior to that. So it was really kind of a new frontier for me. And it really helped me, I think, in a lot of ways, expand my skill set, build some confidence, not unlike what I spent years doing in playing competitive sports. You just get in and you start, you know, refining your skills and you get better and better and better and you help others along the way. And that was kind of what got me into this. Great. I imagine that you've seen media, you know, just evolving so rapidly, I think in the last, I would say seven to 10 years, I would Mm -hmm. even say less than that. And I wonder if there's emerging platforms that you're noticing that we need to pay attention to Mm -hmm. as new media continues to evolve. You know, what are you seeing right now in this role? What are you Mm -hmm. seeing as emerging platforms? Well, I think The emergence, or in some cases, I think if you have a historical perspective on online media, it's a little bit of a return to the values of the earlier days, at least in the podcast medium where video was a very important part of podcasting. I mean, a lot of newer people to podcasting don't realize that, but in the early days of the podcast medium, about 30% of the market was video podcasts. And that was delivered to listeners via a download, just like the audio is today. Mm -hmm. But when we saw YouTube start back in 2007, it basically siphoned all that content away from the downloadable version of video into more of a streaming experience and free hosting and just massive potential of audience building on the YouTube platform. And Mm -hmm. so I think what we're seeing right now is kind of a return to that to some degree. And I can't say that I can speak to specifically why that's happening here over the last couple of years. But I do think that there is kind of this ubiquity of internet access now and fast speeds that is enabling video to kind of go to another level. So I think about kind of the cutting edge trends. I think and also in combination with many people are kind of consuming less mainstream media. So when I see corporate media, I think people are starting to have trust issues with corporate media. So now they're kind of gravitating over to independent voices. And I think to some degree that's happening around podcasting too. I think the trust factor is one of the biggest drivers, I think, of the digital media landscape right now Mm -hmm. of anything. And just the diversity of voices, the diversity of thought, 
I know that there's a lot of tension around misinformation and things like that. But if you can cut through that that kind of mm-hmm. cloud of misunderstanding, I guess, and really get to common sense, you can start building trust. And I do think that the digital medium right now is really starting to plow in that direction. And video is becoming more and more important. That's not to say that audio isn't very mm-hmm. important. I think both of them can ride together and help each other. And I do think that there's people out there that are primarily video consumers, and there's people out there that are primarily audio consumers, and there's some that like to do both. So I think it makes sense that we're pushing a little bit harder on the video side. And I think we're all still trying to figure this out. And I think the video transcends into other platforms other than podcasting too, like TikTok and Reels and Facebook and LinkedIn. And these other types of platforms are also becoming more and more important in people's lives. Yeah. You've mentioned corporate media and the trust factor. Folks are Mm -hmm. just not trusting corporate media right now. And, Mm -hmm. And what I'm understanding is that individual voices are dominating the space. And it has been, I think. Oh, yeah. Right. I think it's a combination of our environment, current events, social events. I think that, you know, it's obviously amplified right now, as it should. Mm -hmm. I'm a firm believer of it. But what trends do you think that you're seeing or or what behaviors perhaps are you seeing with corporate media right now in, you know, building the trust back? And I ask this question because as educators, specifically within community colleges, it's important for us to have a relationship with our employers so that it informs curricula. But when you have a space, for example, the space that we're talking about right now with new media, where employer, aka the corporates, are not valued in this space, and it's really individual voices, like I wonder how do we as educators, you know, build for potential occupations in this space. So that's why I was asking that question about what corporate is doing. Are they re-examining their approaches? Because that's going to inform us on how we build up for these potential occupations. Yeah, I think that it's really a matter of finding voices in those organizations that Mm -hmm. can build trust. That may be difficult for some organizations to accomplish and other ones, it'll be smooth sailing. But I do think that people generally trust people. I don't know that at least over the last few years have been growing in their trust of brands. So I think as you think about how people communicate and be successful online in a career or as part of a company, I think those personal relationships that are developed with people representing those companies has become increasingly important over time, which Mm -hmm. also drives back to, you know, a different kind of skill set that needs to be valued in those companies or those corporations or those media companies that are trying to build trusted personal brands. And one terrific way of doing that is video. And another one is doing a podcast that's trying to help others, trying to communicate value, you know, building some level of entertainment, but yet driving value to listeners. So you can see how the trends in the marketplace are shaping the content creation side of the online media world. And I think it does propel us in a direction. I think, you know, younger people are are seeing this. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's lost on them the right. impact of TikTok and Facebook and Twitter and podcasting and especially YouTube. I think it's having a transformational impact on mm-hmm. our culture and our society and our education system about how we value skills. I think one of the most important skills, and this is something I developed when I was younger because I didn't really have presentation skills because I played competitive basketball and I didn't talk. So 
I've had to grow up in this Mm -hmm. medium Mm -hmm. and learn how to present and communicate. And going from not really speaking very much, because I had a little bit of a speech impediment when I was younger, to getting up on stage and keynoting at events around the world and doing podcasting is something that I've had to learn how to do and Mm -hmm. had to struggle at times to learn how to do. And I think that's going to be more and more the journey that we see younger people go through. You know, some people have natural abilities in this area and other people don't, and they have to learn how to do it. They have to just get out there and put themselves out there and start building their community and building trust with other people. And I think it's going to be key to success in pretty much every career to some degree. I'm not saying every career needs to have a podcast or every career has to have a large video brand out there that's associated with them. But I do think that the skills that are needed are the same, just like what we're doing here, trying to do this conversation I think a lot of people do video calls. I think a lot of people get in front of their supervisors or their boss and need to present themselves on a microphone or in a call or something like that. And these are all skills that are relatively new. I think the pandemic really exposed the need. I mean, I laughed when I saw a lot of the mainstream media personalities, you know, that are so professional in the studio being forced to become podcasters. They failed miserably for the first three or four months until they got their act together. So I think that was a terrific example of the transformation that we've experienced here over the last couple of years because we were all locked home. Right. The skill set of presentation is, to your point, transferable across all occupations, across Mm -hmm. all sectors. But I wanted to maybe kind of unpack a little more about the skill sets because I heard two things. I heard building the skill sets for our new talent, but then I also heard that there's the skill sets within existing organizations like corporates and others that they have to build upon. Is there any other skill sets that you're saying, Salvatrice, like, yes, communication is important. Yes, presentation is important. But are there any other perhaps technical skill sets or soft skills that we need to be paying more attention to? Yeah, I do think that there's technical skills that are important on this. And one of them is creating an environment that is clean sounding, looks good. Like I've set up in my office here, especially after the pandemic started, because I started doing so much online video. You know, I got studio lights in here. I got a higher quality camera. You know, I have audio gear. You can see I have a professional Mm -hmm. microphone But I am a podcaster and I've done live radio for many years as well. So I'm a little bit ahead of the curve. I didn't buy this mic like last year. I bought it 2009. So if that tells you anything, how long I've had this. But it's just a matter of learning about how to create content online and creating quality audio and video. Because as you look to the future, I think many people are going to be judged on that and how they show up in their videos, whether it's dressed up for an interview or doing a call with some sort of media company that wants to, you know, just do a recording with you to talk about your company or your job or what you're doing. I don't like what we're doing right here. This is a Mm -hmm. common practice for me that I've been doing actually for, I don't know, probably since... 2010, I've been doing things like this. So it's just a matter of getting yourself positioned and knowledgeable and trying to get as good a quality of production of what you're putting out, because it will reflect on you, your professional skills. Mm -hmm. As I heard you say that, I was thinking through rapidly all the services within our career center, and we don't do any of this. Like, (laughs) 
you know, I'm sitting here going, why are we not preparing our students in front of the camera? Hello, like mm-hmm. we just went through a pandemic. Everything's been flipped upside down. Why haven't I, you know, spearheaded that momentum around preparing our students to be in front of the camera? And I just had an aha moment. Like I just self-corrected, yeah. Rob. <laughs> so like, thank you. <laughs> I just like, wait a minute. Like you're not even doing it, Salvatrice, you know? Gosh, like it blew my mind right now because I thought, you know, we're not doing that. Of course, we do the resume, we do mm-hmm. operations, communications, we're, you know, the dress, the et cetera, all that good stuff and interviewing questions and doing that kind of prep work. But we're not sharing how to present oneself in front of a camera and all, not even before the pandemic, I would say, right? Like we're seeing video resumes, we're seeing video interviews more so than ever. But even prior to that, like we were seeing that shift. And so thank you for saying that because now I just, (laughs) it's like, gosh, so she's like, get it together. You know, like why, why isn't your team doing that and helping from students? So thank you. I appreciate that. And I think that it also should be embedded throughout all programming. When we think about our traditional career technical education programs or just career tech in general, media falls under career tech, but just like the skill sets, both you know, soft and technical within entrepreneurship, I strongly believe that the education of entrepreneurship should be braided across all programming education, career tech. Mm-hmm. I believe media should too at this point. There's not one program that we have that cannot be translated into having media skills and media knowledge, just as simple as presentation. And so yeah, I'm hearing you and I'm thinking... How could we braid that? How do we as educators evolve our curriculum to include more media, media knowledge, mm-hmm. media experiences, media, you know, fill in the blank? Do you feel like there's a way that we could do better? How do we as educators do better in this space? Yeah, I think it's a complicated question to answer for the simple reasons. I mean, if I think about my own path on this, is that oftentimes this is a very customized journey that an individual goes through on Mm -hmm. how they want to position themselves. I think there is some fundamentals that can be probably shared around the importance of certain aspects of it. But there's so many choices or options in different ways, whether it's equipment or how you set up your background to how you set up your lights. I think you can give students a perspective of, you know, core principles of good, you know, audio and video quality, right? What is the fundamental aspects of it? You know, proper lighting, good quality camera, good quality microphone. I'm not necessarily advocating that you have to have a $500 dynamic microphone you know, every student or every professional needs to have a $500 microphone in front of them. But there are audio tech and video tech that's out there right now that is fairly inexpensive and that will give you that level of quality without having to really kind of go all in like I've done. And I'm constantly looking at companies out there that are making new hardware that will make this easier for people to do. And I think software will solve a lot of these problems and very simple devices will also have capabilities. I think AI technology and sound kind of software is 
growing and developing very quickly right now. And we may see a point where it's very easy to do this in high quality because the software is developed, the microphones and stuff are very convenient. You just kind of clip it to your collar and it communicates everything. And you just have a little camera that's mounted on your computer that's high enough quality. And maybe you get a light or two that just makes sure that, you know, you're able to mm-hmm. be seen clearly. And right. That's kind of really all you need for most people. It's just if they want to be a podcaster or if they want to be a professional presenter on a video series or something like that that they want to produce, they may need to think about more advanced tools that can get them to a higher level of quality. But most people just need to have the basics. And I think audio quality is really, I think, important and video quality is important. So Mm -hmm. those are the core basics that I think most people that are working in a career today that have some sort of online connectivity that they're doing remote work need to be taking into consideration. And a lot of laptops have very good options as well. So, and there's USB microphones that you can get now that are very inexpensive that you can just set up right in front of you and do good quality stuff, you know? Yeah. Thank you. If I can just shift gears just a little bit, I want to talk about, because you're right in front of me and (laughs) I feel like I have a very limited time to extract all the domain expertise from your brain, but just shifting gears about the future of work, right? Keeping true to the theme of this podcast, which is future of work. Mm-hmm. I, a student, I, a faculty member, I, an employer. What are we seeing as newer emerging occupations in this space? Are we seeing anything new and mm-hmm. different as far as occupations? Or are we seeing just the same thing, but just magnified just a little bit different? Yeah, I think we are seeing more of a recognition Like I was saying earlier, the companies are starting to recognize and value audio production, video production more and more. And I've seen just an explosion over the last, probably the last three to four years of professionals in LinkedIn with podcasting in their job titles or in their descriptions of the things that they do. It can Mm -hmm. span the whole spectrum. It's like a hobby project or it's a side thing that they're doing from their regular job or it's primarily to their business. I know I spent and you know, I'm a very early users of LinkedIn. I had a hard time finding people that had any kind of job orientation towards podcasting to connect with because I mm-hmm. was full all in on it. I guess I was early to the party, yeah. as they say. But now it's like <laughs> I have a hard time not. I mean, it's like everybody has that in their job title right now. So it's. Right. I think that that's becoming more and more important all the time. And I'm not saying that everybody starts a podcast and they do it for the rest of their career or something like that. But mm-hmm. I do think a lot of people are interested in it and mm-hmm. a lot of people are listening and a lot of people are treating it as a fun thing to do or a mm-hmm. professional development thing. I wonder too, if you're recognizing any technology gaps, are there any technical gaps that entrepreneurs should be really kind of solving any specific problems? Are there any problems in this space that you're just like, gosh, if we only had this, it would solve this for the entrepreneurs that are listening? Like I mentioned a little bit earlier, I think the devices need to be simpler and smarter and Mm -hmm. to make it easier to produce high quality stuff. And I think that's happening as the market grows for this type of stuff. I think that that's something that I know I keep a close eye on that just because I want to make it as easy for someone to do this as possible. I came from a time frame when I had to spend $20,000 to build a studio to do my oh radio my show at home. And yeah. so now it's like I can accomplish the same thing for like maybe three or $400. So it's come that far. And that's where I think it's going to continue to get less expensive to do this stuff at a high quality mm-hmm. level. 
I had a takeaway in this conversation that it just keeps coming up. It's trust and personal branding. Those two things kind of tied together. And I feel like it's inevitable, regardless of the career choice you make. I think that this medium and this space is crucial, really, kind of like to the trajectory of your career to some degree, to some degree in, mm-hmm. in certain areas, because, you know, it involves character, it involves skill sets, it involves so many elements of one's yeah. personal brand that can only be demonstrated in this capacity and to keep yeah. us competitive in this market space. And whether you're seasoned professionals or new professionals coming into any one space, personal brand is really important. It's kind of what sets you apart from the competition. Yeah. That's a huge takeaway for me in this dialogue, <laughs> along with many other things. But we forget about that. We forget that we too have a brand. Mm-hmm. Right. You're building a reputation with others is what you're doing. Yeah. Really, as you think about personal brand, for me, it's about building relationships and building trust, mm-hmm. right? If a person understands that you're out there to contribute and participate and be involved, I think that the online media world is a terrific place to start that path for you. And I think it also has benefits being able to connect with future employers, being able to yeah. connect with people that are working at other companies. Right. I would definitely think about thinking less competitively about mm. your relationships from the standpoint of just because someone works for a competitive company, it doesn't mean you can't have a friendship with them. Right. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> because you never know as you build your personal brand and build your network, you can become an influencer. And this is applicable to many kind of job roles out there or in the work world generally. I mean, a lot of people are going to work for themselves. Yes. And I think when you go to work for yourself and you want to start your own company, I think personal brand is even more important mm-hmm. because your path to success is fundamentally built on trust. But employers, trust Mm -hmm. is everything out there as well. I think more and more employers are digging deeper into candidates' backgrounds and what they're doing. So I think putting yourself out there in the most professional way you can, I think, is one way to build on that trust. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Because I did have a prompt question here, Rob, about, you know, a takeaway and what would be one thing you'd want our listener to walk away with and understand in this dialogue. And I plugged Mm -hmm. it in earlier because it was a takeaway for me. And, you know, you further unpacked that for us. And I appreciate that very much. Trust and relationships and personal branding and all relative, regardless of the career choices that we make. We can go even farther and say personal choices. Is there any other one thing I feel compelled to ask you? Is there just one other thing that you want our listener to understand about the impact of this dialogue and the impact of the space or just anything in general? Yeah, I think this conversation really gets back to the fundamentals of human interaction. There's Mm. new societal norms out there that you always have to keep in mind, Right. right, that are happening, that are what I would call kind of sensitive areas around racial and gender relationships in -hmm. the broader world, even on a global scale. And the other thing to keep in mind too, is that anything you do online is global. You know, I think for many, and I knew this as a younger person myself, is a lot of what I did was more Mm. local. But once you start getting into this area, what we're talking about here, you have a global perspective. I just came from Europe and London and Sweden and stuff, being up on stage and talking to people outside of the United States. I think more Mm -hmm. and more we're Mm -hmm. global citizens, even though maybe our countries are more nationalist now than ever before. I think more and more we're thinking about internal aspects of our country. But as citizens, I think 
the internet makes us global. Yeah. So, and I think our opportunities for work can be global as well. I've mm-hmm. actually worked four years for a company that was based in Central Europe. I was the only one in the United States. So my online brand was critical to that relationship. Sure. And so I think the opportunities are much bigger if you think outside of the U.S. borders. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very true. Well, this has been such a lovely, pleasant conversation, Rob. I really appreciate your time. And if there's a listener who would like to connect with you or any of our educators or employers that would like to connect with you, what might be the best way they can do that? Well, I can be found on Twitter. I have a Twitter account at Rob Greenlee, and that's with Mm -hmm. two E's on the end. I do have a website at uh, robgreenlee.com. I do co-host a weekly podcast called The New Media Show. It's at newmediashow.com. And it's live on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. And we talk about the podcasting space and the industry of podcasting. We oftentimes do that show live on stage at conferences around Mm -hmm. the country. So it's all about creating conversations and learning about what's happening in the podcast medium. And that's what I do. So, and then lastly, you can always send me an email if you want to send an email to rob.greenly at gmail.com, or you can send it to robg at lipson.com. It's up to you. Very good. Thank you so much. I'll be sure to include those in the show notes. Thank you again. And we'll connect again soon, I'm sure. Yeah. Thank you so much for (laughs) having me on your show. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the Future of Work podcast. Make sure you're subscribed on your favorite listening platform so you can easily get new episodes every Tuesday. You can reach out to us by clicking on the website link below in the show notes to collaborate, partner, or just chat about all things Future of Work. We'd love to connect with you. All of us here at the Future of Work and Pasadena City College wish you safety and wellness.